is the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. I'm your host, Jess Root from CardsWire.com, the USA Today NFL Wire site that covers Arizona Cardinals. Seth Cox is on the line, my co-host from RevengeOfTheBirds.com, uh, the SB Nation Arizona Cardinals site, and he's also one of the hosts of the original Draft Breakdown podcast, which is particularly pertinent right now as we are going through the draft process and we're doing, this is another one of our, the, the final of our draft preview shows in terms of players and positions, it's episode 418, but it's not only that. We get to talk about uniforms, which, you know... 46-year-old me, I'm like, eh, uniforms. But I, I know, I know, uniforms are a big deal to young people, middle-aged people as well, players, uniforms matter. The, the players are the big ones. Yeah, and, and so we have new uniforms. That happened tonight, recording Tuesday, uh, Thursday night, and Thursday night the Cardinals had their event in Phoenix at the Van Buren. Season ticket holders were invited, media members were invited, Um I considered going, except we I know we had the we had the show to do, so I figured I'll just look at Twitter and and then we can talk about it. So it, we've got new uniforms, and then we've got the last of our positional previews. We're going to talk about the running backs in this draft, the tight ends, and we're not going to talk about all the quarterbacks because the Cardinals are not going to be taking a quarterback early in the draft. But we'll look at perhaps some late round guys the Cardinals might consider moving forward because you always want to bring quarterbacks in. To develop, um, that's kind of one of the, the one of the commodities that you need in this league. So let's start. We have new uniforms, which honestly, my biggest takeaway is they didn't mess them up because that's the one thing people have been begging for new uniforms, and we've seen other teams do uniforms, and they're like, "Ew, uh, these they're apparently simple, but they're nice." And they they didn't they didn't out they didn't mess things up basically they didn't try to do too much with them and I think the fact that this is a team that is slow to do things historically and they try to tie things in historically then I think it was a smart move to do so it's really basic they have three they've got a white scheme they've got a red scheme and they've got a black scheme and that's kind of cool. Yeah, and you know, the more I I read, the more it, things make sense, and and you know, so like the Reds, um, wasn't I mean on first initial reaction wasn't a huge fan, but if you go dive a little deeper in, you learn that they went with the plain Reds, no striping, based on their. Uh, St. Louis uniforms. So if you go back and look at old St. Louis uniforms, the red, that's what the reds looked like, but they wanted to make sure that everybody knew it was Arizona. Right. So they put the bigger, and that's a Nike thing too. I think people need to understand that Nike does have a part in this. Um, and you know, they're there. This is their concept is that they like to show off um they like to show off the the state so like the jets new york forms have the big i think it's nyj on the front 
um, or it might say it might just say New York. I'm not. And uh, and honestly, I like the concept. My my son, as those of you who, if if you know, like I have a 20 year old, 21 year old son, Diego, big big in football fan. He's studying sports business. He might he might end up in he might end up working for an NFL team at some point. But he he wondered. He was talking about he he and he and he's part of that generation that loves uniform concepts. Um, that kind of goes over my head, but. He he was questioning well, why why is the Arizona only on the red? I'm like because it's their home uniform. That's when they're playing in Arizona, and it it gives each uniform, each style, the white, the red, the black, all have something slightly different. And I kind of like that. I do. Uh, yeah, and and that was the thing. I'm big on clean uniforms. Um, and so like that's what these are. These are clean. They didn't go over the top. They didn't try to do too much. And that's the way I like it. Uh, I we had heard rumors that the the uh, whites and blacks would give us uh, Ohio State vibes. They do, uh, but yeah, not in more, a negative way, right? Right. It's more of kind of the for me. It's the the sleeve design, um, the stripes that they have on the on the sleeves that give me that feel more than anything. Right, right. And so, and then the Reds, you know, they do have similarities to uh, like Oklahoma, but those are, you know, those are classic uniforms, like mo- some of the most classic uniforms in all of college football. Yeah. They're a little, the, they're a little brighter red. So I think, you know, people are going to say, oh, they did, you know, didn't do enough. They did too much, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, it's just, it's it's a clean look it's a super upgrade from what they had uh and i you know i it was funny we were texting while they were coming out in them and i told you my favorite were the whites uh (laughs) your favorites were the black and then one of our good friends uh tyler nickel was texting me and goes my favorites are the reds so that's what, <laughs> and so that's what i was saying to people like it's funny because realistically you're nobody's gonna like all three like nobody's gonna love all three i should say right but the fact that everybody i've talked to is like oh i like at least this one then they did it right because like there's one for you to choose from if you're an arizona cardinals fan and that's all you need to worry about like you're not going to go buy three jerseys (laughs) so 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 you buy the one you like we aren't made of money guys this podcast is not a rich podcast (laughs) but you know if i were to rank mine i love the black i though i i've loved the black alternates I really like the red, and it's not like I dislike the white. It's just for me, white uniforms are pretty. They're for me. They're I've never loved plain whites. In fact, as an Arizona State fan, of all the different uniform concepts they had, the white is my least favorite. But that's a me thing. I know that lots of people, including players, love a really clean white uniform, and it does look good. It's just not my preferred thing. There's one thing I've had a complaint about. So. My opinion on on jerseys and uniforms is as little as that there is, is when it came to their black alternates. The first black alternate, I love that look, especially in person. But there there was such there was just little tiny lines of red that that wasn't visible at all when you watched the players on TV, and so it gave me a vibe like the Cardinals were playing in black and white, and everyone else was playing in color. 
um, but they're very visible and things like that. Then the Color Rush jerseys came out, and I love how those look. But then for a functional part of it, they've got the red le- the red numbering, which I loved, but part of the job of the reporter um, is sitting in the press box. I can't see the numbers very well because they don't have any outline. Um, the white the um, the white numbering against the black on the original black alternates very easy to read, but the red on black without any outlining was hard. And they made that improvement on the alternate blacks this time. And so you've got the red numbering, which you I loved from the color rush, but they then put it's what I guess is a silverish outline. It looked white initially in the phone when I was looking on my phone, but I guess cut more close. It's kind of a gray silver outline to those numberings, which makes the numbers pop to me, which and legible, so that you know when I'm doing things like charting who's playing, who's making the play, who's on the offense defensive line, I can tell who that is. Yeah, and it's I I really, um, I really like. You know, like I said, I the whites are my favorite. They're clean. They're crisp. Um, I, th- that's how I like my uniforms. I like the the lettering. I like you know all of that. Um, it's just a clean look. The blacks and and look are you know like if you were to ask me, I'd be like A plus for the whites. You know, A minus B plus for the blacks. And I give the reds a C for right now. I'm not a huge fan of just the all red. It's just a little red for me. We saw a mashup concept that somebody much smarter and more talented with uh, <laughs> computer stuff did on Twitter. Uh, and the reds with the white pants look fire. Like, they look awesome. So if they come out in those more consistently, I'll, I'll like the reds more. The, the all red is just a lot of red. It, it is like, a lot <laughs> of red. You know, and I wish... I kind of wish that the NFL would allow them to do something like this, but kind of like how ASU mixes and matches. Imagine this. Imagine the black helmet with the white top and the black pants. I think that would be so nice. Yeah, exactly. So it's just, you know, I it was they did a nice job. Um they did a really nice draw job of just like giving themselves a new look. And the, and there's some hidden things. So, you know, for, for those of you like the hashtag last year, bird city football. Okay. I'll get this. When people talked about how they, people said that Phoenix was bird city. I'll, I'll go with you, Seth. I I've lived here my entire life. You know what? I've never heard Phoenix referred to as his bird city. Had had you ever heard that before? <laughs> before you this no. year? No. No. So the idea people were trying to force this bird city. I'm like, nobody calls Phoenix the bird city. Yes, a Phoenix is a mythical bird. Nobody says that. But and and Cardinals fans, you know, over the last decade that we've been we've kind of been in the in the sports media game, the hashtag bird gang was the one that Cardinals fans really latched to. And they are readopting that. Um, they have some really, they have some neat hidden messages in the insides of the jerseys. They've got Protect the Nest. They've got Bird Gang. I really like those concepts. That's for the artsy part of, of jerseys. And I like the, I do like the back. I, I didn't notice it until later on, but the back above the numbers, they have the logo as well. Yeah. Oh, on the, so, on the red where they have that the white bird. 
that's cool. yeah it looks yeah that's what i was saying it looks really nice and then you know i like the cardinals uh in the silver i know people are like silver but like i like the cardinals in the silver on the on the uh sleeves i think those look good so like the whole thing like i said i'm i'm a fan you know you go back you you look at go to the arizona cardinals twitter account at az cardinals um you know they go through all of it but like uh the upper back logo in the black is is a straight red bird like it looks fantastic um you know the white one has the has the more um normal looking cardinal with the with the yellow beak um which looks great and then like you said the red one has the all white so like they did something different in each of them too like little little things that you may not have noticed but like having a having the you know obviously the team's logo but all colored differently in every single jersey that's like that's something that's a unique yeah and and cool thing that they did the gray face mask is a nice addition to the helmet um the the decal the cardinals decal is shinier well and and it's now 3d so that was their big thing so it's like a larger enhanced 3d so you get some different shading which makes the back end pop out almost like it's coming out of the helmet and then they added the silver silver flakes in the helmet which is a big thing you know it's funny people don't get this but i have high school kids i have uh you know i have kids in youth football the helmet thing the jersey thing all of it matters it like does. it legitimately matters to <laughs> it them. really does i've heard i've heard about college kids yeah Part, they love it it's and, it's and they make decisions about where they go to school for football on the jersey alone sometimes right and you know if they if they're fortunate enough to have that choice yeah yeah like and so like that's the thing as you look at it i think they did a really nice job of like giving people options that's why i said not everybody's gonna want like all three or love all three and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that but like you know going in looking at them on all three they're clean um they they look they look clean and that's a big thing so you know i'm i'm excited about it i'm excited to see how it all you know plays out as we get uh as we get through there but you know it was a it's a definite upgrade that's all you can really uh that's the biggest thing you can say over anything else, right? And at least one thing, there's one more thing we don't have to listen to fans about reading in the in the on the press conference chats uh, on Reddit, on Twitter. Nobody should be asking for new uniforms at least for another decade. And who knows if we're still in the business then? So <laughs> we won't have to deal with asking those questions or anything like that. So coming up next on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, the best of Cardinals talk on the web, we move on to the draft preview start, part of the show where we now we're starting with the running back position. We've got three positions, running back, tight end, and quarterback. We're going to go from most significant need to down to the least significant. So we'll start, start by talking about the running backs. That's coming up next on Rise Up Sea Red. We're back on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. This is our Cardinals talk on the web. We're at the draft preview part of our show. This is the fourth one of our positional previews. Uh, coming up, we'll have next week, we'll have our mock draft before the, the draft itself. 
let's talk about the running backs. There are the the one running back, the one the one running back to rule them all we know is B. John Robinson out of Texas, who is also an Arizona high school product, which is that's cool. Um Cardinals will not be, I don't think. That's the that's the one thing we have. There's been a lot of players connected to the Cardinals. Bijan Robinson is not one of them. But where do you think Bijan ultimately is going to get drafted? And then number two, will he be the only running back to go in round one? Yeah, I think to answer your first que- or second question first, yes, I think he will be. Um, you know, he is one of the best running back prospects we've seen in the last forever. I've been fortunate enough. I mean, I know you live here, uh, but you know, I've, I was covering high school football when he was playing high school football and um, he and Keely Ringo are two of literally the best players I've ever seen on the field at any level. It, it was, I mean, he's, Bijan has grown roughly like an inch and like ten pounds since he <laughs> since he left high school. Like, and didn't he didn't came, he play corner at a really high level as well in high school? Uh yeah, he played both ways. So that was the thing is like he was just such a talent. And like, what's crazy about him is you go through it, and one of the things Justin and I talk about all the time with the with the podcast is like, you look at you look at their yards per attempt and like if they're if they're going to be like generational they should be averaging over 6 yards per carry and and Bijan was 8.1 5.8 and then in his most usage ever 6.1 so it was like all this di- all this kid did was run for 6 yards you know over 6 yards per carry for his career uh get better every every season started being able to hang on uh, or start to be able to catch the ball more consistently out of the backfield. You know, he's just, I mean, he's just a dynamic, dynamic player. Um, you know, if the Cardinals were in a different situation, like trading back and taking him at seven or 11 would make a lot of sense, but they just have so many needs that you look at a guy like Bijan, he's fantastic, but, but taking him in the first round would be, kind of be irresponsible team building yeah um in that sense um so, do you think though i see on espn um i hear things and 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 and, I, and what you guys have said on the podcast is a little different generational talent is he on the same level as guys like derrick henry adrian peterson uh saquon a healthy saquon or and more recently jonathan taylor um, he doesn't have the long speed that that either Taylor or Saquon had. No, no, I think he's actually more in line with like a Zeke Elliott. Um, and Zeke went fourth overall, as we know, and then and you know was a two-time, three-time All-Pro. You know, uh, put up, led the league in rushing a couple times. I mean, he was just uh, a man amongst boys um, until you know the it catches up to you. So it's one of those situations where you look at it and you just kind of figure out i mean 
think about Zeke's rookie year. He had over 1,600 yards rushing. And remember, that was back when there was only 16 games. So, And he only played in 15, by the way. So, you know, 1,600 yards rushing, 15 touchdowns. You look at his yards from scrimmage, his first um, his first five years, I think it is. Yeah, Zeke had 1,900 yards, 1,200 yards in 10 games. Two, over 2,000 yards, 1,700 yards, and then over 1,300 yards in 15 games. Like he was, he was just a bell cow and, and, and a complete, you know, force. The question in, in the whole thing with running backs becomes, you know, what is their longevity? It's something you and I've talked about on the show, right? Like draft running backs every couple of years, use them for four years, and then draft and let ones. someone else pay them. Right. As, as and that, bad and, as that sounds, let another team pay that back. Pay that back, David Johnson. Right. After he got paid, mm, um, we we've seen it basically every single I mean, even, every even, single running back, even Christian McCaffrey, after he got paid, still producing at a super high level, but the durability has been a concern. It's just when he plays, he's great, right? But he does miss a lot of time. And even Zeke, I mean, Zeke got paid, and then he, you know, you look at after he got paid. You know, he had one 1,000-yard season again. And it's just like the amount of touches that they get, it just becomes really difficult. I, I you know, I've said the big thing with, with Robinson, the reason he is so great, what makes him so special is obviously the balance, the running ability and things like that. But he he doesn't take big hits. Like if you watch him, he's able to – you know, kind of soften the blow when he's running. And that's why I think for the first contract, you know, for what the team like the Eagles or the Falcons that we're hearing might take him, you know, in the top 10, um, it makes sense because like you're going to get five great years out of him and then you're going to have to make a decision and, and be cautious with it. But if you're, if you're close, especially like the Eagles, right. And, and you get a guy that can be a, a straight up bell cow, be on the field, all three downs, do everything in the game. Uh, be a guy similar to like, you're saying like a Derek, like obviously not stylistically, but be a guy like Derek Henry, Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, Zeke Elliott, like be one of those guys, which he has that ability. Then, then you take it and and you write it like i said for five years and then after five years you got to make a decision you know but but <laughs> in those five years you're gonna see um excellence and greatness yeah um going on are there any running backs worth looking at in round two you know it's interesting because i love jameer gibbs he's he's running back two with a bullet like he's fantastic and and um, and he that that's He's the one back that I've heard anything like mock draft, anything connected to the Cardinals that early. Right. And and the problem with uh, Jameer Gibbs is he's a little small. Uh, five, nine, uh, you know, two, we'll call it 200, 199, 200. It literally doesn't make a difference. Which is basically uh, Chase Edmond size. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, and his high-end comp is so high. It's one of those things that you don't even like to talk about. Uh because it's it's almost unrealistic to expect him to get there that's, but it's kind of he said the it's same thing honest that's what so that's what kime said about chase Edmonds, like his physical comp they they wouldn't even say who it was right and so his is jamal charles oh my gosh <laughs> and and it's crazy to look at so like you look at 
you look at uh, Gibbs, right? Charles was an inch and a half taller, but like 5'11", 200 pounds. But you look at some similarities, you know, uh, arm length for Gibbs, 30 and a half. Arm length uh, for for Charles was 31 and a half. Uh, hand size, nine and an eighth. Hand size, nine and a quarter. Uh, 40, 4, 3, 6 for Gibbs, 4, 3, 8 uh, for for Charles. And then their verticals, you look at and you're like, that's not impressive. Charles' vertical was 30 and a half, which is not good for for running backs. Uh, Gibbs was 33 and a half, which is, you know, below average in running backs. But it's their explosiveness and ability to put their foot in the ground and change directions. But that's what I said. That's his high end. I think he's more realistically, and again, this is still super high end. And this guy went in the second round, and we have to like remember the player and not the person. Um, and that's Ray Rice. Uh, so Ray Rice came out of of Rutgers. You know, um, he's he came out at five eight one ninety nine. Holy cow, that's almost the same, right? Um, he he ran a four four two, so a little slower, thirty one and a half inch vert, a little less. So you look at it, you know he, but he, he was, was really good, and he was fantastic until the off the field stuff. Right, right, you you know, know, don't 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 go punching people in an elevator. Right. Well, people or especially uh, ladies. Yeah. <laughs> so, but so, and we know that. I mean, I shouldn't say we know, but. We have never heard anything negative about Gibbs uh, in that way. So, you know, if 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 that's his likely outcome, his high end is, you know, Jamal Charles, who was a borderline Hall of Famer. And then his low end is a guy that you look at and you're like, oh, this guy, you know, he wasn't he wasn't bad. He was a good back, uh, you know, but he was a little undersized and never. And by the way, drafted way too early, so he just never lived up to the hype. Uh, but like a Felix Jones, you, you remember Jones in in Dallas? Yes. And you know, just never. I, and again, drafted in this in the first round, twenty second overall, shouldn't have been. Um, and then just never really lived up to the hype. Had one really nice season his second year as the like lead backup. Uh, averaged almost six yards a carry and then w- once they asked him to start kind of being the guy he wasn't able to do it consistently but and so this thing i don't think i i think gibbs is uh foolproof but again can you can you risk 34 on him now right. let's especially let's, when like especially when there's other positions that don't let's be honest i i think the running back position is while it, it, like great players, not so many, but I think throughout, especially at the running back position, you can get productive players throughout. While after round two, your offensive line talent diminishes greatly. Correct. And I think that's absolutely right. And I think, you know, you look at it, uh, that, that this draft really tells that story, you know, and, and so, we can play the what if game, right? What if they trade back and they end up with a, you know, another second pick? I would still prefer to see them use it on what we call premium positions, right? Correct. Like either 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 a pass rusher if they didn't draft one in, in the first round, or a corner, or an uh, offensive lineman, right? Like yes. one of those three. Uh, but you know, 
Gibbs is a guy that I wouldn't. You wouldn't hate. Right. I, I wouldn't hate. Um, the third round, but, though, is is kind of, for me, it looks like the sweet spot, isn't it? Right. Yeah, and there's a lot of interesting guys. I mean, and, and it really becomes a pick-your-flavor yeah. type of thing. There's, and that's what makes it. The three guys, yeah. the three or four guys, names that really pop for me, uh, Zach Charbon. I know he's a he's a guy that that Justin really likes over there on your show. Um, who's the other? It's Kendra Miller, TCU. Uh, Dwayne McBride, UAB. I don't know if he'll go as high as, as round three, but could. And then, yeah, and then then the talk of the, all the off season, the combine, and and the Senior Bowl was Ty J Spears. Right, and so you look at a couple of the guys. So we'll start, you know, Carbon Charbonnet. Um, I comped him, you know, to a guy that came out of ASU last year in Rashad White, right? Like a guy that was drafted in the third round, uh, is going to get the chance to be a lead back this year. Uh, you know, you look at him, has everything you want, six foot, just under six one, two hundred and fourteen pounds, ran a four five three, has good vertical, good broad jump, really, really solid all around. Can catch athlete. the ball. Catch and and that's what makes me recall Rashad White, right? Like you know, and, and people thought Rashad was bigger, but he's literally the same size, six foot two fourteen. Uh he was a little bit faster, four four eight, but like um, you know, they're really I, I think they're very similar players and, and you can utilize him in the same way. Um, you know, Kendra Miller is an interesting one because you're talking probably I would guess, and again, we won't know until draft night if there's a run on running backs, but I would guess you would take him closer to like 96 right? Um, in that range uh, as well as, as well as um, Dwayne McBride. I think both those guys are really good uh, players. Uh, Miller's an interesting one because, you know, obviously uh, with the injury, we didn't get any, any testing numbers, right? So you're really going off of uh, just on tape. Really? Yeah. You're really going off the tape. You know, he came in, uh, 511 215 that's exactly where you want him to be as a guy that's you know a, a really between the tackles type of guy um and you know he was he was the complimentary guy uh to Zach Evans who's a guy I really like uh but then came this year uh and he got he got the bulk of the carries and again one of the things that we talk about a lot is that that's six yards per carry right um he was at 7.3 again as i up 7.3 and then 7.5 this year is the main guy 6.2 exactly what you want to see the growth doesn't catch the ball a lot out of the backfield so that's one of the things that i would say you would have to see if he can do um i'm never going to say guys can't do it just because they weren't asked just, to do right. it. right that that's the one thing is like can they because right, um, that's one thing they said about Jonathan Taylor, right? And right, his hands hands are fine, right? And a guy he reminds me of, and that's not a special athlete. So, you know, when you when you don't get testing numbers, you got to be really careful when you go into comps with the guys because you don't want to over comp somebody. You don't want to be like, oh, you know, this guy is the next, um, you know, you know, high end guy, and then. You, you quote some great testing numbers, but this guy's really like a, you know, low four five or high four five, low four six type of guy. Right. And so, and I don't mean this to come off as negative. I think this guy's a really good back, but he reminds me a lot of like Tyler Algier coming out last year. 
and you and I both liked Algier a lot coming out of BYU. Right, but no one was uh, going to draft him before. But no one's drafting him before day three. Right, and so if you can get and so and so if you can get Miller, you know, at that ninety six pick, that would be you know some that would be a, a fit. Um, you know, I don't was McBride hurt as well. Do you know? Um, I shoot, I don't remember that. I know that he probably didn't want to be tested because he's. He is an analytical workhorse, but he doesn't do anything particularly flashy other than just produce. Uh, from what I, I let me see. Yeah, he did not participate in pro day. Oh, okay. He he has a he did have a hamstring injury. Okay, so at least we got that. Um, so again, he's a bigger guy. I yes. mean, weight wise, he's the same. You know, two fifteen, but he came in at six, uh, six two, right? Not five ten or five ten. Five ten. Oh. This is wrong. Perfect. Uh, yeah. So five ten and a fourth. Okay. And then he came in at two oh nine. I wonder who they have there. That's the wrong stuff. Uh, but you look at him. You know, I really like him a lot. Um, like you said, the question with with McBride is going to be where, uh, because he's a guy that's run the ball probably about nine thousand times already. <laughs> yes. Uh, and and it and, you know I'm ex- exaggerating, but he's had over four hundred carries the last two you years. You know, if if I if I take someone I uh, other um, without knowing the testing, that's kind of um Stefan Taylor like, right? He was an absolute workhorse at right. Stanford. And so, you know, McBride comps out well to like guys like um you know Spencer Ware, who had a nice career, uh, Tashard Choice, who had a nice career. So it'll be interesting. He's um, another guy that you're just going to have to find out if he can catch the ball. I mean, he has five career catches, and it, he was never asked to do it. Um, no, so and, and so again, we're not. Th- we're just stating a fact. You know, we're saying like you got to find out if it's something he can do. Uh, but he can run in a zone or man scheme, which is really nice. You know nowadays more than any in the spread offenses you got to find guys you know you have to find guys that do well at each and so um you know he's a guy that does that and so i i like him a couple you, you mentioned ty j spears one of the big knocks on him if you will is just going to be obviously the size but it's the fact that i get he's been nicked up throughout his career and running so, back is a position where it's really easy Right, and so like you look at it, this was the first year over 200 carries. Again, averaged almost seven yards per carry for his career, and he put up massive numbers. Um, you know, one of the one of the comps you get for him um, that I that I like is um, Justice Hill, the the guy in uh, Baltimore who's been a great you know change of pace back, a great uh, third down back. You know, a, a guy that can do a lot of different things. Um, you know, out of out of the backfield, um, for the for the Ravens, and and he was a guy that you know he got drafted in the fourth round, which is you know again what we're talking about, you know that ninety six to I think it's one hundred four, one hundred five, whatever it is, the Cardinals that would that would be a fit for them because he is a two way player, right? Like he's a and he's a super super athlete. He did not uh, run the forty, I don't think, but he did everything else and he tested out extremely well um a couple of day three guys i really like that i think are really really intriguing 
the first one is Sean Tucker out of out of uh, Syracuse. Uh, this dude is lightning fast. Uh, uh, and so I'm I'm excited to see what he where he goes because he's a guy that allegedly allegedly was like a, a mid to low four three guy. Um, so you're talking about a guy that one cut downhill runner. Um, the problem with these guys. That's, and that's weird. That was about, it, did he do it or is this an estimated one? 4.54. No, he, 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 I have not seen that he did anything yet because he was going to test in, uh, he's going to have his pro day on April 24th. Oh, jeez. So, because he just got cleared. He, oh, and so okay. this is, yeah, yeah. So, so this is the problem with these guys. So, like, and, and it explains the comp really well. Uh, so fast and athletic, but they're also like kind of. So, what we talked about with Bean, right? He, he's got all the tools in the toolbox, but then he's also uh, uh, really good at not taking big hits. Sean Tucker's not. <laughs> and so you get like a guy like a Raheem Mostert, right? Who's fast as can be, um, but can't stay on the field. But if you're talking about, you know, a guy in the fourth, fifth round, I I like quite a bit in that range. Uh, Mostert, I think, went undrafted. It was either of, undrafted uh, or seventh Purdue. round, but. But, but you know. He's carved out a really nice yes. niche for himself and, and been a really good back. But again, you're just talking about a guy that's, you know, again, he you're gonna have to put up with, you know, him missing three, four, five games a year. Uh just go ahead. Now I was gonna ask a couple of guys that, that I think might be in the th- at least one of them in the third round range is um Tank Bigsman. He's one of the guys that the that the Cardinals actually brought in Auburn. Um and then in the Kuiper McShay mock draft that came out this week. It's the other Texas back, Roshan Johnson. Yeah, Roshan's an interesting one. He's um, a big dude. He's he's huge. I you know that's six foot two nineteen. So yeah, he's so kind he's, of like the Keontae Ingram and James Conner mold. Right, and and he you know he never got a ton of run, obviously uh, because he was behind. Bijan Robinson, who was a borderline, um, you know, Heisman type of guy. Uh, so you just look at you look at Roshan. Uh, he's a he's a guy that uh, is a power guy, right? He's a between the tackle guy. Uh, he's got he does a really nice job um, getting that extra yard. He actually comps out fairly similar to like James. And so James Connor, and so like that's a you know that's a he's obviously Connor came in at two thirty three, so he you know he's a different beast altogether. But uh, you know similar in in terms of style and 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 work. You know, um, when you play with Bijan, you don't really get to catch the ball either, right? Nope. So like 
he did catch he did have 14 catches this year so you know it's something he does well uh but i think his early usage will be as a short yardage guy uh you know like that he's a but he is a and and that would target him more towards like where the cardinals got ingram right so six this round you know i've heard that teams are gonna like him in the in the third or fourth that, and which, that's and that's what like the 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 kuiper mcshay one had that that's really interesting especially doesn't have the traits because where did Kenyon drake get um drafted i don't remember but because he kind of had the same type of situation being the backup there at alabama but he he at least had different traits in the fact that he was a he was a burner speed wise third round so he went 73 overall i remember you guys talking about drake on the old old draft breakdown podcast right and it, it's one of those things like you gotta like they're good players you just have to be really ca- careful when you take a backup because you don't know how they hold up to you know running the ball or getting all the carries when they're able to be spared so to speak you know it makes it more difficult bigsby's a guy um uh, you know he came in just a shade under six foot but he's 210 pounds so you know great size um testing numbers were were average across the board which for a running back is fine I, I think that's one of the big things now is that people get caught up in like these athletic testing for running backs where it's like look their vision and uh, an ability to like get in uh and there's a reason why running backs tend to be slightly less athletic than other positions right exactly it's not a premium position and so no, you're better athletes you get put at receiver and corner and then the defensive backfield to be able to do that when a running back yeah sure if you can if you can run the ball fast but there's other things to do that but that's that's probably one of the reasons why these are those type of numbers are average right exactly and so you look at him you know he's a guy that's gonna again is great at getting one cut and getting up the field uh something he does really well uh again another another guy that thrives between the tackles uh does it consistently and is able to win um you know he's one of the guys that runs best out of the zone or you know zone blocking so that's one of the things that'll be interesting again to see how that plays into things uh for him he he's a guy that so when we talk about the six yards per carry, one of the things that I want to specify is like it doesn't mean don't draft somebody if they're under six yards per carry. It just means that like if you're gonna spend a top fifty-ish, let's just say top two round pick on a guy, they should be over that because they should be good enough to have created. Um, Bigsby's at five and a half, which is fine. It really is fine um, for for the garbage he was playing with at auburn those couple years uh you know they just weren't they just weren't the the old auburn right i mean hell they brought in cadillac williams to coach the team like <laughs> like it was not wow. good you know his 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 three years he had three coaches there so uh bigsby's a guy you know i think is gonna be i think he's gonna be good the question with bigsby and, and you know the question with a lot of these running backs is like can they get their work in without 
the buildup. That's one of the things we've seen with James Conner, right? Is like Conner and Roshan Johnson's the same way. And I, and Bigsby's kind of the same way. And, and that goes with their size, right? They're guys that need, um, they need 20 carries to get to 80 yards. If that makes sense. Like, because their first 12 or 15, they're going to get two for, yards, two yards, two yards, yeah. three yards. And then you're going to get the 15 on like carry number 12 and 13. Right. And that's, and that's, so there are guys, and, and I would even say, I would, I would guess Kendra Miller similar to that. So that's the question with these guys. Um, are you getting a guy that needs too much, you know, too many carries to be effective early? Cause like you said, if you're taking them in the third, especially at like what, 64, whatever, 65, yeah, 66, you know, they better be guys that can come in and contribute immediately. Whereas if you're taking them a little later, um, you know, 96 or, or, potentially on day three then that's kind of what you're more looking for right is is a guy that can eventually replace your your main guy uh but this is a great class to need a running back because there's just so many different types to choose from um one late round guy that i really want to at least throw his name out there evan hull um you know, I talked to Justin about him, and I and I was like, you know, why did he come out? He still had a year of eligibility, and Justin's like, well, when you play for Northwestern and you go up and down, up and down, like they do every year, you just kind of, you know, once you're graduated, go ahead and get out of it because you're you're gonna be worn down, and and Hole is a really good two way back. He had 54 receptions this year, 33 last year. Uh, so he's a guy that catches the ball out of the backfield really nicely. Um, you know, he's, he tested out really, right. Re- really well. Uh, so when you look at Evan hole, you know, he's a guy at five ten, two ten. 10, uh, ran a four, four, seven, great jumps, really good three cone. So like, he's a guy that you can come in and you can get, some really nice uh you know kind of as a as a change of pace back and a guy that has shown he doesn't need you know 25 carries to get the most out of him especially as a guy with the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield um he reminds me of a guy that was in tennessee um i want so i believe he was i just want to make sure but darrington evans um i believe he's the backup in tennessee i I remember yeah Yes, he was. Okay. Did he go to Northwestern too? Uh, Appalachian State. Oh, that's and what, he that's went. One. Yeah, and he went in the third round. Um, so he went a little earlier than Hull probably will, but like a nice receiving back. A, you know, some good. Early. I I like him. Um, but you, but with Hull, you're probably talking like round five, maybe even six, which is you know again with the needs the Cardinals have a. a Bijan or a Gibbs would be fantastic, but I just don't know if you can allot that right now. Right. Coming up next on the Rise of Sea Red podcast, best of Cardinals talk on the web, let's talk about a pretty decent tight end class that's coming up next on Rise of Sea Red. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red podcast, best of Cardinals talk on the web. The tight end position is an interesting one for the Cardinals because they got Zach Ertz in, and they used a second round pick on, on, um, Trey McBride. Trey McBride. Oh, I, oh my gosh, I totally blanked on his name, and and so you don't feel like tight end is going to be a priority 
uh, or one that they would necessarily target. And like I've seen a couple of times where where a tight end is mocked to him in the second round. I'm like, ah, I don't know if they're going to do that. That said, the tight end class is pretty decent. And, and 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 I know Daniel Jeremiah during the combine said when they were doing their workouts that he thought that as many as four could be drafted in the first round. I don't think that's that's going to happen. But what maybe two. Maybe two. Yeah, maybe two. Um, a couple of these guys came back down to earth after after Jeremiah really pumped them up. <laughs> um, but, you know, you've got the top two guys. Michael Mayer is number one with the bullet. I've said all along, he reminds me a lot of uh, of Jason Witten, right? Yeah, like and just, there's, there's nothing he does spectacularly, but he does everything well. Right, and so... You know, and obviously right now he's fast enough. He's not Jason Witten at the end of his career, <laughs> you know, but. Well, and it's uh, important, especially for those that are kind of poo-pooing like some of the, like his skill set. He entered Notre Dame as the guy, as a freshman, right? Right. And all he did was put up numbers with bad quarterbacks for three <laughs> straight years. I mean, I mean, think about this. The dude that had. As a freshman, like you said, 450 yards on 42 catches. And then as a sophomore, had 840 yards on 71 catches with seven touchdowns. And then last year, when everybody knew he was their only offensive weapon, he had 809 yards on 67 catches, over 12 yards per catch, and nine touchdowns. Like, he's just a guy that understands how to get open. He understands how to play the position. He's fantastic. If he was there at 34, like you could tell me that they drafted him, I'd be like, that's a, they drafted a great football player. Yeah. I'm just, I'm not going to be mad about it, but I don't think he gets past uh, the Bengals. Um, That'd be the latest I could see him go. But yeah, he's number one with the bullet. Dalton Kincaid's a guy that a lot of people like. Some, a lot of people like him more than Mayer. Right. So he's a guy, uh, I think he's a little older, which, you know, is fine. Um, He's a little smaller. Uh, we don't have testing numbers because he's got a bad back. And so that's my oh, first thing. That's great. Like, yeah. So he's sub 6'4, but he came in at 246, which is fine. Uh, short arms, but big hands. So, and he's a move tight end more. He kind of is in the mold of Trey. Like Trey, he, he, well, and the comp that a lot of people have said is kind of like a younger Zach Ertz. And I've seen that Ertz came in at six five, so he was almost two inches taller. Well, maybe maybe that's more like skill style. Yeah, stylistically. Yeah, and and I understand that, but like it's hard, it's hard to make up for size, right? Like being, and so that's why I like, and so we like trade. So it's not a negative in in any way, you know. And Trey came in about the same size, under 6'4", 246 pounds. Arm length isn't great, uh, but big hands, and he catches the ball well. And so that's the thing. He's a move He's a move piece. Uh, here's the thing. I don't think you can have two of those guys. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, you need somebody that is an ultra-competitive and aggressive blocker, and that's not Kincaid's um, – that's not Kincaid's – Forte, it's not what Trey does best either. So, you Although, know, for, Steve Kime views him as a Max Williams type player, which is interesting. Yeah, and he could be eventually, but uh, you know, 
in his first year, it wasn't his strong point. In nope. fact, there were no. several. No, se- so many several, blocking miscues. <laughs> yeah, which is fine. Again, w- rookies. And and also understand, like, understand your your player strengths. Like, that wasn't and, – and to be fair, they weren't planning on having to use him, but between Max and, and – and Zach both getting hurt, then all of a sudden he's got to play a ton of snaps, right? <laughs> and <laughs> and, and he is it. a better option than Steven Anderson. Right, 100%. My favorite tight end in this class, a guy I love, and it's super easy to compare him to you know his cohorts from uh, Iowa, but uh, Sam Laporta. I, I just love this kid. If he was some, you know, if they can trade back, address you know something at seven or 11 whatever and then add an extra second round pick and you get two guys with that pick in the third round at 66 if you took sam laporta you you know again a little bit smaller but he comes from iowa so you know this kid has to block right like that's what they do at iowa well and like Uh, about this way george hiddle he didn't produce anything in college really right and so and and you look at what Laporta had to deal with um, at quarterback. He's just, I mean, he's a hard worker. He's an uber athlete, four, five, nine, forty. Great jumps, great three cone and short shuttle. I love the kid. I think he's going to be a fantastic player. Um, like I said, you could talk me into him. And then from there, you know, it just becomes like, who do you like in certain rounds? Where do you like guys and what are you looking for? You know, we talked about the top guys, Luke Musgrave. I'm interested to see where he goes. Um, you know, he's a guy that is another um, kind of, he's a bigger guy. He's, you know, six, six, two fifty three, uh, But he plays to me similar to like a, uh, uh Cole Komet coming out of Notre Dame and Komet went pretty early, didn't he? I think he was in round two, right. didn't he? Yeah. And so I could see Musgrave going in round two. Yeah. Good call back, Jess. He went round two uh, and he's turned into a really, really solid receiving option for the Bears. Um, you know, I, I like Musgrave, but, you know, I again, I don't think that's – I'm ready to make a make a play – that early obviously darnell washington giant uh hell of a locker with with some with some upside with his hands like he might he might have the like if you're looking at tight end value depending where he goes he just didn't get used as a receiver at in georgia because he just blocked so well Right, and that's the thing is like you you get comps like Brandon Pettigrew, who was a guy that was in the league forever as a blocking tight end. Mercedes Lewis, same thing, right? Uh, if if you get a guy like that, then that's fantastic. Uh, you know, he's a he's a freak. On top of that, you know, obviously size. We know uh, six, almost six seven, two hundred sixty four pounds. And hands, holy yeah. cow, yeah, eleven six, inch hands. Yes, uh, eighty-three and almost eighty-four inch wingspan and eleven inch hands, but he ran a four-six-four forty and had a hundred and twenty-two inch broad jump, which is the eighty-six percentile. Like, and then he had a four-zero-eight short shuttle, which is ninety-seventh percentile. Like, this is a dude that can that can move. And the sled, the the blocking drill that they did at the combine, it was like pushing. It was like hot butter. 
the the right. leverage that he like as big as he is the leverage he was able to get and just move that sled with no problem at all yeah and so that's the biggest thing is like if you again if you can get him at 66 that's a great that's a great value i don't know if it's a great value because you're talking about basically and this is not a negative i don't want anybody to think of this as a negative but you're basically being like hey we're running you know a three tackle set on almost every play um you know so and and so by the way if if they're going to mimic some of the things Tennessee and Cleveland did that's something that they did there right like that's something that they have good blocking tight ends so it'll be something that's important uh to see them out there so you know he's obviously the name of of like the best blocking tight end but there are other guys that are good blockers that that could be had on day three and and you know day three is where it would make start to make a lot of sense right um obviously if you isn't the the kind of the guy that would be really fun to get in day three is the kid out of old dominion zach Kuntz? yeah yeah so zach Kuntz was a penn state guy uh then transferred to old dominion and he's a unique guy because you really just don't see guys this big move like this so we talked about blake freeland the other day the uh the byu tackle right coons is basically that guy as a tight end just a shade under six seven but 255 pounds uh good arm length 34 inch ran a four five five forty with a 40 inch vertical and a 128 inch broad jump six eight seven three cone Holy yeah, God. and then his three cone and short shuttle were elite. And then you got to remember too, like those long arms. He he put up twenty three reps on the bench. So like, but so this is the, what I want people to understand about his jumps, though. His jumps, comparative to all athletes, all athletes, his verticals in the ninety fifth percentile. His broad jumps in the 93rd percentile. And then, like you said, his shuttle times in the 86th percentile. So this is a guy that is a freak athlete. Here's the thing. good. He's a good run blocker. Obviously a matchup nightmare at 6'7". He's a developmental guy. And the reason why is because he didn't dominate at Old Dominion like you would hope. Um Last year, he had a really solid year, 73 receptions, 692 yards, a little less than you would want, you know, 10 yards per catch uh, with five touchdowns. This year, he was on pace to do a lot better, uh, 12 receptions for 144 yards and two touchdowns, 12 yards per catch, and then he got hurt. So, um, and so he only played five games. So you look at it, he's a guy that an Old Dominion is D1. It's not FCS anymore. So you you worry about you're drafting for traits specifically. And that's why, you know, in round four or five, you take a guy with these traits, with this frame, with his size, and he is a good blocker. Like that's, that's a thing. He's a, he's a good blocker. He's just not overly physical when it comes to, to catching the football, which is, which is disappointing. He's kind of, he's kind of baby birdish right now where like, somebody hits him low and he goes down he doesn't understand how to run through contact yet uh despite being bigger faster and stronger than everybody he goes against uh but i you know if you trust your coaches if you and you have tight ends in house which the cardinals do uh then maybe you can you can wait on him and get him like i said on day three and you bring him in he's a guy that i think would be a great 
like you said, a great developmental, a great traits-based pick. Especially if he can play special teams. Right, which you would assume with those athletic testing numbers he would be able to do. The, the question it comes down to is just about him his desire of physicality. And it's not that he's he's soft or anything like that, but the reality is he just doesn't understand how to use his physical tools yet like, like he should. Like a guy that's that size should be able to physically dominate, and, and he just isn't there yet. Who else is there worth looking at on day three? Uh, after Koontz, it gets a little um, a little less interesting. Josh Wiley is a guy out of Cincinnati that is a uh, is a very solid blocking tight end. You know, obviously after uh, that team kind of came apart, he he wasn't utilized nearly as much. Uh, in the passing game or as effective in the passing game. So you look at his numbers um, in 2020 and 2021 playing with Desmond Ritter, obviously he had, he put up over 12 yards per reception this year and six touchdowns in each season, only 330 yards, 350 yards in those two seasons, but that's fine. I mean, you're talking about a fourth option, right? You're not talking about a one or a two like mayor or those guys, but um, this year he dropped down 326, which was fine, but he had a career high in, catches in 300 or in 32 but he only had three touchdowns so he's you know he's a guy that just you look at the frame he's just under six seven but he's a little leaner 250 uh had good times decent jumps you know average jumps which are fine for a tight end but he's a good locker uh the question becomes on him He's lean, like I said, 6'7", 250, so he's built more like a small forward than a power forward right now. Um, but he has really, really short arms, like 31-and-a-half-inch arms. And at 6'7", you do wonder if that's going to be an issue as an inline tight end being yeah, asked to like block his consistently. wingspan, like he's almost 6'7", and his wingspan is, what is it, 6'4", like 6'5". Yeah, so that you do, you do wonder if that could be an issue. But that's why, again, if you take him on day three, and and, and he's more of a fifth or sixth round guy, right? But he he can block. Like that's the thing is he he has shown on film he can block. Guys, we talked about earlier, especially like a Kincaid. Uh, you know, th- they're not blockers. A Koontz is a willing blocker. He's not. He's not a great blocker right now. Uh, even guys that like a Luke Musgrave, uh, you know, or or even um, Sam Laporta aren't as physical blockers as um, as Wiley. But I I genuinely do wonder about the arm length. There. <laughs> what like, about what about Tucker Craft? He he's a guy that we just uh, I've heard he, I've heard we just fi- heard that he was one of their one of their top thirties. Yeah, and I've heard that he's going to go in the second or third round. Which, oh, wow. Y- you know, to me, that's a, like, I wouldn't be interested. Oh, And I like I like him quite a bit. I think he's a really intriguing prospect. Um, another guy that I think he got injured this year. Uh, Double-checking my notes here. Yeah, he didn't play much this year at South Dakota State, um, who actually, I believe, won the 
FCS championship this year, if I if I remember right. Uh, and they do a really good job of producing tight ends. Obviously, Dallas Goderet uh, coming out of there as well. Um, you know, he's a really intriguing guy. Kraft came in at 6'5", 254, 46940, really good broad jump, good three cone and short shuttle, good on the bench. Like basically he checks all the boxes. And then you look at his production as a as a uh sophomore. Um, you know, he put up 770 yards and six touchdowns. This year he was on pace again to to be a you know have a better season in half the snaps. He put up 27 catches for 348 yards so he's averaging almost 13 yards per catch and three touchdowns but he just you know got hurt and and that's a that's a tough thing coming out of a small school making the jump as a um as an underclassman from the small schools ballsy too right like you haven't you didn't play a ton um so it'll be interesting but he's a good willing blocker he just needs to get a little a little more um, savvy with what he's doing, but he's a guy I like. I just, I'm not interested in, in my first, you know, obviously right. First 66 picks, like obviously the Cardinals are not first six, but you know, 66 or less. Like I, I w- even if you have multiple second round picks, I, I craft is not a guy that I would take now. Well, now pre- let me premium see- picks. Oh. Just, it's just that that's a premium packs with the round and round two. You have to feel like you get, get them one because of the importance of the position and two, just the talent in the class. Right. And so, you know, and let me say this, if they were to draw draft, Tucker Craft in the second round. Um, I'm not going to complain at all, uh, but I'm just saying I wouldn't. That wouldn't be f- what I would do. But I think he does have upside. I think he does have ability, and I think he is a very, very uh, good player. Um, you know that that offers a lot and would fill an immediate need for the Cardinals based on, you know, when Zach Ertz is going to be back. Come to the next on the Rise Up Series podcast with Sarah Cardinals Talk on the web. The final position we're going to discuss, it is the quarterback position. That's coming up next on Rise Up Sea Red. We're back on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, the best of our Cardinals Talk on the web. The quarterback position is one we will, we won't go, it, this is going to be more of the deep dive because the the top five quarterbacks that, that both you and Justin have, so, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, and even Hendon Hooker. None of those are even guys that the Cardinals even consider. Not They're not in that position. They've committed to Kyler Murray. There's no reason to even discuss them. Those are guys that are going to be drafted. You know, four of those are going in the first round. It might go in the top ten. Uh, or, according to some mock drafts, are going in the top five. Uh, Hooker is going to go somewhere round one, round two. It's everything after that. And, and honestly... Let's be honest, the Cardinals shouldn't touch the quarterback position before day three and likely late day three. Like, they don't have a seventh-round pick, but sure, a compensatory. Like, if you're looking to develop someone, that's kind of what you want to do. But the name that came up, and I don't know, maybe this was just agent talk. The Cardinals like Stanford's Tanner McKee. Which I've seen him. Okay, I will say this: that he that he ranks on like on the mock draft simulations I run. He's always kind of at the top of the big board around round three. And I don't want to draft a quarterback at that point, right? 
Yeah, that's how I am. Um, you know, and we've seen McKee mocked as high as like early second. I don't think the Cardinals take a quarterback until day three. Right. Um, it doesn't make any sense at all. If McKee is the guy on day three, that's fine. He's still a little it's still a little interesting when you're talking about a guy that's a basically a statue in the pocket. Right. Like he's um, he's a throwback, like he's not doing anything. Like he's got heavy feet. Um and his and like his passing production, you know, if you if you look at kind of the numbers in the Pac twelve, it's it's kind of pedestrian, right? Yeah, very pedestrian. Um, you know, turns the ball over a lot, which is interesting. Um, and then he is he he takes a ton of sacks, which is you know, again, really interesting when you're talking about a a quarterback that, you know, to back up your quarterback who's very athletic for with an offensive line that is may not be very good in year one, right? <laughs> he and he so, reminds me physically of saying like throwback Andrew Walter, but without the production. Yeah, and and so you look at it. He's a guy that you know has, like you said, he, his production is not great. He you know, and people might say, well, what do you mean? You know, he only threw seven interceptions. His, his sophomore year and then and then eight this year's junior year but it's like yeah but he only threw 15 touchdowns his sophomore year and 13 this year and i get it stanford's bad like they they were bad it is what it is but it's tough to separate a player um when he's the guy trying to drive the the engine uh drive the car in that so to speak so you know, I just I I don't understand it at all. Um, but like you said, maybe it's agent speak. Who knows what it what it boils down to? But it's 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 an interesting uh, fit, nonetheless. Who are the quarterbacks worth taking? I I think the one that has a lot of fans super intrigued is, is DTR out of UCLA, Dorian Thompson Robinson, uh, because of the the combination of athletic traits that he has. And especially in the NFL, we're having a, a two-way quarterback, a dual-threat quarterback. There's about, even if, you know, if you look at some of the numbers, that maybe a running quarterback isn't great because they get hurt so often, but having that dual threat, that at least the ability to make plays with their legs is, is very cool. Yeah, and I love DTR. I think he'd be a great fit as a as a long-term backup um interesting because he definitely um bulked up <laughs> during what was his, what, what was his playing weight so i think he plays in the 190s yeah he uh, measured, he, he weighed he, 203 at the combine right and he was a guy justin and i joked about it right before the senior bowl because uh, he was at the Senior Bowl, and I said, I'm going to bet you that UCLA undersells his height because he looks so lean that I bet you he's taller than what he's listed at. And they had him listed at six foot, and he came in at six, one and a half. And, a half, yeah. and he was like one at the Senior Bowl. I want to say he was like 193. 
I could be wrong, but the player love him. I think he's fantastic. I think he's got great poise. Um, I think he's got fantastic experience. Uh, you know, he obviously he's got he's not got all the tools or you would be talking about a guy that would be, you know, picked earlier. But the reality is he's accurate. He grew as a passer, especially under Chip Kelly the last couple of years. Um, you know, he was a guy that, that came in and, and really was a lot was expected. He was a five star recruit. And then he just, he didn't take off and then got there and, and really developed him. He's a fifth year guy, which, you know, again, uh, that's, I guess, not the knock it used to be, right? Because um, uh, you're gonna have, like, it's gonna take a couple more years before you can really ignore the age, or well, not ignore. Yeah, the and age, sorry, so I, right, so I was looking. So yeah, he came in at 191 at the Senior yeah. Bowl. Oh, interesting, because you know they had him listed on on, on sports reference six one two oh five. Yeah, so like I told you, they would undersell him. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, I love DTR. I think he would be a fantastic backup. He's a good, he's he's a good fit. He's actually, you know, he comps out well to like a PJ Walker's uh, athletically. Um, but he kind of, I mean, he he reminds me a lot of like of Cole, right? Like he's lean, good arm athletic you know what he reminds me of like is actually brett hundley yeah i think he's a better i think he'll be a better pro yeah. but yeah you know um another guy i love again a day a day three guy uh i but i love him is clayton tune out of out of houston um and then he came in and was a great athlete uh that that was what was fun right uh Came in at six, just under six three, two hundred and twenty pounds. Ran a four six four forty, and then he had thirty seven and a half inch vert and a one twenty two inch broad, and then ran a six eight nine three cone, which was one of the faster times at the combine all uh, all around. Right, right. Like um, that's great. Um, I don't know why you that as a quarterback, but <laughs> you, but you know who you know who he reminds me of? Who's that? Luke or Luke Josh McCown? Get yeah that and. He was he stuck around forever, right? And great backup, you know, tough guy, uh, good arm, uh, you know, great mobility, great athleticism. Remember, I mean, McCown was the guy dunking at all the yeah. You know. <laughs> well, way and back, so, way back when, like the Cardinals had him starting back in in like oh three oh four, they he was he was very athletic at the yeah, time, and and that's what and that's who Tuner reminds me of and and so you know obviously we're talking about backup uh josh mccown and not starter josh mccown but if you got him on day three i think that would be a great fit because again you're talking about a long-term investment in the backup position um and, and i really do like him um you know i don't know enough about the the guy out of shepherd to even like have a serious <laughs> conversation um typically when those guys show up at uh at the senior bowl like that they 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 either play well or fizzle out and i feel like he kind of fizzled when he was there well at uh, the senior bowl like i tried to like the quarterback play was subpar bad. wasn't it it was, it was yeah. subpar at best and I, I i i 
perhaps the the more decorated name on here is Stetson Bennett. Only Stetson Bennett did terrible things for himself in the offseason, right? Leading up to the- Yeah, has a guy ever not done anything but also hurt his draft stock more? <laughs> like, like he he didn't do the senior bowl and then what did he get getting arrested? Well what what was it that he did the off these? I don't remember, but like leading up to it, I'm like, yeah, he was a quarterback of Georgia. But then nothing that happened in the offseason was a positive for him. Yeah. Yeah. And so and he's like twenty six. I mean, <laughs> he's a great he's a great athlete. I think he, you know, the easy comp's gonna be like Doug Flutie, but it it makes sense, you know, a shot a guy that, that comes in, you know, rallies the troops for a game or two and then and then is back on the bench. Oh, um, public intoxication. That's what happened. Yeah. yeah. He's an interesting fellow. Uh, uh, I like Stetson. I mean, I think he's a funny guy, but <laughs> you know, um, and then, and then Jake Hayner was the other the senior bowl, I believe, right. That had a good senior bowl. Uh, but he has an injury history, which is obviously a pause. Um, you know, he comes in. He's he's smaller at six foot two oh seven. Uh, you know, he and Jaron Hall are really intriguing to me, but like, they're both clear backups, right? Like, they're both guys that come in as backups immediately. Um, the thing I like about Hall is that he's he plays with great athleticism and mobility um but his passing is like his passing is is it does leave something to be desired which i mean why <laughs> and, why and also you, you have you, you do have to worry about the, I, if i believe if i recall i don't again i don't watch 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 a ton of byu football but i am aware of it he he had durability issues right uh, yeah so i think so and you know it's one of those situations, man. Like these guys, these guys all have flaws. That's why we're talking about them in third round as a backup. But like, if you if you had me rank like the backup guys, I, DTR and Clayton Tune would be one A and one B. Like I don't care what you put them. They're two different types of players, but like I, I love both of them and what they would bring as ba- as like long term backups. And and I would bring them in, and they probably go Hayner, McKee, um, and then all, and then Stetson Bennett's just a wild card. Like I like him; I think he's a good player. But like, and and I mean this in the most positive way. What it does is he interested in coming in and being a backup quarterback in the NFL? I mean, this guy has basically lived the best life for the last, <laughs> for the last, you know, five years. Well, technically just two years, but, you know, five years while he was at BYU. Like, do you really, do you think he's going to come in and just be content to hang out on the bench and play every once in a while? So it'll be interesting. Yeah. And with that, we will, this actually wraps up our entire because we're not going to talk about the specialist that that's that's for other people to talk about punters kickers hey there's there's the michigan kicker and then after that whatever (laughs) was it moody Moody fourth of draft pick and and who cares after that 
Um, that, yep. and that there we just talked about the specialists, but that wraps up uh, four shows of positional previews. Our next show will be next week. Um, it'll drop on Wednesday. Seth and I will have our muck draft of the first round, and I think. You know, we I think we do a decent job most years. I think this year is going to be really hard to really gauge. So our our picks may be a mess. <laughs> it might, with, it, with the movement there, might be at the top of the draft. But that that's coming next week. That's Seth Cox. I'm just through This is Rise Up Series Podcast. Thanks for listening, as always. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red. Sea Red.